when a movie is not good or a, or a book, well, this isn't the case with the book, but a lot of times with movies or with TV shows, almost 100% for sure every time it's written by three or four people because obviously they couldn't agree on anything. To me, art is not democratic. Um, art should call us to, you know, something higher than that. It really is not about politics at all. And it's not about equality either. So I think when they're trying to do these um, these woke projects, I, I think they're either they're trying to present some sort of equality, or do you really think that they can make money on, on it? Which is which tells me that they really are not in touch with anything. Welcome to the New Flash Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Ricky Orpike. Joining me is uh, the wonderful Jonathan Astro. Now, John, have you ever been a gutsy woman Ah, <laughs> uh, I I feel like it's 2022. I should say yes. Maybe on weekends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just when I need to, I don't know, like get into women's prisons or their spaces. <laughs> I say I'm a gutsy woman, and they go, "Come on in." Yes, yes. Do whatever you want. Yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, today uh, we have Amina. Amina is back. Amina Malonic to uh, chat about uh, a, a weird uh, reality TV show called Gutsy. And also we're going to talk about a uh, Cary Grant film as well. Frank Capra. Yes. Let's get it on. Amina Malonic is an adjunct fellow of the Center of American Greatness. She is an unabashed cinephile and holds a PhD in comparative literature and three master's degrees in humanities from the University of Chicago, in philosophy from the University of Buffalo, and in theology from Christ the King Seminary. Her work as a writer and critic has appeared in American Greatness, The Spectator, Law and Liberty, uh, The New Criterion, The American Mind, and National Review, and many more. She also has a substack called The Magic Lantern, which you should all subscribe to right now. Now, Amina, welcome back to The New Flesh. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Amina, to celebrate five wonderful years of Me Too, uh, The New York Times has written an extraordinary piece that I'd like to get your thoughts on. Uh, just let me set it up for a second in case our readers haven't read it. Uh, the heading headline reads, After Me Too Reckoning a Fear, Hollywood is Regressing the Movement Led to Increased Diversity and representation in the entertainment industry. But now there is worry that executives have turned their attention elsewhere. It's written by Brooks Brooks Barnes. So in short, the article explores whether the various gains from Me Too and George Floyd, that that era in terms of representation of women and minorities and the creation of more inclusive content, um, that the heat has died down on on this movement because um, perhaps because of the economy and and other factors, um, and that we'll see some kind of slip in, uh, back into the bad old days. So it features anonymous quotes from Hollywood insiders who say things like, "They hired women and people of color, some who were not qualified," and uh, others said that uh, measures the measures were an overcorrection. Uh, but je- and there was also a sense that um, amongst uh, Hollywood execs that the these sort of woke projects didn't work, bros and the cancel Batgirl movie and the list goes on. So do you have any thoughts of this article? Um, yeah, I'm not surprised that these things didn't work, right? These, these projects that they're trying to do. And as I, was, as I was reading about it, I thought to myself, well, the problem here is that they're starting with identity politics, right? And not really with the story. And um, so if you are trying to kind of have a superficial story or, or really sort of kind of, um, on the surface, you know, something that's, uh, that doesn't even have a, anything to, that the viewership can really grab onto. Same thing goes for books, really. Um, and you're only basing it on um, something that's 
not necessarily actually not something that's totally not elusive right they're they're kind of dehumanizing this identity then i don't know how it can really do well i think there was something in the article that it said they had a muslim superhero girl yes or, or uh, superhero Ms. muslim girl miss marvel on it's a disney plus show right and you know i'm a bosnian muslim so you know i'm i'm not <laughs> this is so I'm, and as a bosnian muslim i'm saying right now this is stupid <laughs> you know it's it's uh, it makes no sense it's like you're just saying oh look a muslim you know there's a there's almost a, a, a you know in in an effort i think this is truth of the leftism really in an effort to be so inclusive they end up offending everybody you know um, actually because they're they're reducing people to these ultimately these stereotypes you know but i saw that and i thought i wouldn't want to see that i couldn't care less you know mm. i mean i'm i don't like superhero stuff anyway but if to do it uh, i wouldn't even see that yes well the frustrating thing about this article is the is is the evidence and the references and you just you just named one of them uh i haven't seen bros but i've heard about it she said, which is the, which is the, the, actually the article seemed like a bit of a plug for its own uh, people because this movie, she said, I think is about New York Times people, uh, reporters looking into, you know, the Weinstein issue or whatever. And this other film, The Woman King um, and the film Batgirl or whatever. Now, I haven't seen a bunch of these movies, but the problem is that the woke era has created, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I would say, I think it's created no masterpieces. So all they can point to is Miss Marvel and all of that other garbage that I just mentioned. There's no Clockwork Orange, Peeping Tom, Videodrome, Shop Around the Corner, Rashomon, Nashville. It doesn't matter. You take your pick from all around the world, all these masterpieces. There is no woke uh, a film that we can hold up. And, and the best Hollywood movies, if we're just talking about Hollywood, uh, are well-received and, and they make money. So I think the problem is they're talking about these films that make money. So the question is, do you think that work content by its nature is unable to reach the heights of truly great work? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it the story is not the main point here, right? Once you have a great story, a great story will appeal to everybody, right? It, it, and it won't matter, actually, whether uh, a character happens to be gay or black or whatever, any sort of marginalized group you want to take a look at. It won't matter. Uh, at all, because people can hold on to the humanity of this person, right? And I think that what, what they usually do is, again, they take these sort of ident identitarian, you know, uh, ways of looking at human beings and um, ultimately dehumanize them for the sake of ideology. And the story is gone. There's nothing you can really do about it. It's almost like, it's almost like a, sometimes I think that these projects are written by a group group think and group writing is the worst thing that you can come up with there is nothing you know when 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 a movie is not good or a, or a book well this isn't the case with the books but a lot of times with movies or with tv shows and i usually and if it's really bad you can certainly almost 100 percent for sure every time it's written by three or four people because obviously they couldn't agree on anything and um you know the the other part of all this is that to me Art is not democratic. Um, art should call us to, you know, something higher than that. It really is not about politics at all. And it's not about equality either. So I think when they're trying to do these, um, these woke projects, I, I think they're either they're trying to present some sort of equality or they really think that they can make money on, on it, which is, which tells me that they really are not in touch with anything at all. <laughs> 
Is, isn't it interesting, though, that, that we see in other countries, especially in South Korea, where, where we're seeing, I mean, for a long time, they have been uh, just smashing it in terms of, of filmmaking. Uh, I know for our, our other podcast, Within a Podcast, we reviewed a few uh, Korean films and, you know, they seem to be um, just not concerned at all about diversity and 100% concerned with story and filmmaking and storytelling. And you saw that a lot, uh, especially with um, The Squid Game, which came out uh, on Netflix, that absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, everyone was watching that show. I mean, who would have thought that a show in Korean with subtitles would have such a huge sort of uh, reach, especially in, in, in the US and also in Australia. I mean, do you think we need to look overseas and just, you know, in, invest our time and our, our viewing uh, in sort of overseas markets until America can kind of lift their game? I, I think so. I mean, actually, Netflix has a lot of interesting uh, European shows. Um, a lot of Polish Spanish and German shows are on Netflix, actually. And there, I think you will find a lot of interesting stories because they don't have these issues. Um, well, maybe not all of them, not all the countries, but certainly the, the stories don't focus on any of that sort of uh, stuff that we see in America. And I think what you have in Australia, too, um, in, in Britain. Um, so I, I think so. I think that there is... Although there is there is a show that I started to watch just now on Netflix called The Sinner. And I don't know if you've seen it with Bill Pullman. And I just finished watching the first season. I'm, I'm a little bit late into it. And it's an excellent story, but it's based on a German novel. So I thought, okay, that's why it's good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> I know it's terrible. No, no, but... no, you're right, though, because the, 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 I, th I like to think of it like um, Robocop. He's got these prime directives. Uh, and in the second Robocop movie, I don't know if you can remember it, they mm. load him up with all of these junk prime directives. Like they say because that was the original uh, era of political correctness in the early 90s. And so Robocop's walking around, instead of solve, doing what his job, which is serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law, he's doing community outreach. He's like policing people, <laughs> swearing. He's, he's, he's a terrible policeman and he's doing all this dumb stuff. And the only way that he can get um, back on track is to wipe all of his prime directives. So I feel like these, when I watch, you know, my wife was telling me about Elite, the Spanish um uh, uh, I think it's a teen drama or something, but it's ex exactly as mm. you say. It seems to be they don't seem to be muddled with with these junk prime directives. They're just they're just making a show like like it the old days. Right, that's a great way to put it. I don't remember RoboCop too. Maybe you I need to brush up on your RoboCop. I know, too. I know, terrible. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a cinephile am I? But yeah, I I think that um, um, you're right. They, they don't seem to be. It's almost. America is not almost. I think America is so repressed right now when it comes to these political issues. I think that there's no joy, there's no arrows, there's no love, there's really nothing in the, you know, that people are extremely repressed and you have a kind of almost neo-Victorianism going on around here, you know. And uh, as, a, as a result, um, you don't have a good story that's going to perhaps disturb, perhaps, you know, make you feel elevated um perhaps make you think i mean this is all what we we have, we have learned from books too you know it's not just movies or tv shows so um until i think people wake up to imagination to the reality of imagination because that's really what's missing obviously from from any sort of woke stories um 
I don't think you're going to have a good story. You're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to capture the imagination to, to use that phrase, you know, um, but it won't, it won't capture us um, either thinking about these issues or feeling them. We, a good story makes you feel, I think it makes you kind of go deeper. Um, um, it almost, I, I use this very loosely. It almost shocks you into trauma sometimes, right. Where you're just awakened by something. Um, the sinner, uh, I've used that as an example, certainly, certainly does that. And I was just so pleased to see that it's a story about these, these people that are so flawed and, and some of them are miserable and some of them are beautiful and some of them are ugly, you know, I'm talking about the inside of them and all that. And it was, and it was also a mystery. So it had, you know, it had a lot of, um, a lot of different components, but it was something that you couldn't take your eyes off of, right? That's a successful story. Um, whether it's in you a book said, or a you movie. Said, you said the word there, Amina, before, imagination. This isn't a word we hear now. That that's not a word that 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 um you watch all the interviews, you read, you read any background, whenever people are talking about their shows or their books or whatever, no one ever um uh praises imagination or talks about about how to um uh, you know um or the act of imagining or anything like that. It's always uh, lived experience. It's always stay in mm-hmm. your life. Always consultation. All these real creepy corporate words. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the, the you mentioned before. Before I forget about uh, uh, you know sort of things that are designed by committee. Um, I saw a featurette. Um, uh, uh, Ricky and I saw this featurette that uh, from a Disney fe- um, uh, production of Star Wars they did a while ago. One of their offshoots, and the they literally got a group of the wokest people together to create like it was like a woke justice league that they got together (laughs) and they were all in this room and there was no creative force there was no you know we'll get to this later there was no man uh, name above the title in in the words that as capra used to say you know Uh, it was just all of these people um presumably um I don't know, walking on eggshells around each other, just trying not to trigger each other. Isn't that, doesn't that sound like you're in prison? That sounds terrible. That, that kind of existence <laughs> to me. To me, it just sounds like, why are you putting yourself through this, right? It mm. just sounds like a complete prison um, yeah. of mind and of the heart. Yeah. Uh, I've, I don't know, yeah. Well, well, to bring it back to the article, I, I think it's interesting because they're, they're obviously concerned that Hollywood will regress to a, a, a time before Me Too, uh, you know, the bad old days of Hollywood. Like, you know, I mean, they've always been bad, but, you know, there's this there's this. In concern. other words, the golden age of cinema, when we made the best stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but the, the, on the one hand, you have this concern for bad behaviour, particularly from, you know, men that are high up sort of in the hierarchy of the film industry and they sort of lump that in with representation in a strange way like you know that 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 just because uh perhaps these movies are going to pare back that representation just a little bit so it's not so woke so it's not so preachy that in a way that will then open up the floodgates for more harvey weinsteins to kind of run around it just it feels like a strange it's just that you know it's like that's trying to put a you know a square peg in a round hole or something you know it just doesn't quite right, work right you know? yeah i actually don't see the connection but that they're making it doesn't really matter the whole idea the whole whole point of of or a point is that the right word the whole uh aspect of weinstein and um and hollywood in general is the fact that a lot of people got their jobs through very awful demeaning undignified ways 
And uh, I think um, so. So if if the objective here is to get woke issues into the movies, you're still going to have to hire somebody and that somebody's still going to have to play the game. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point that you're playing the game, that you're not that you're willing to. Uh, lose some of yourself in order to be famous. So I don't see the, the connection of why um, less wokeism in the in the movies means more Har Harvey Weinsteinism or you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you agree or? Well, I, it's bizarre. The idea that I this why this this article I thought was extraordinary. I think it's it's an absolute playbook for how out of touch the New York Times is uh, and how. Um, and obviously, people who are just you know blue through and through, uh, uh, you know, the, how deluded they are as well. Like, I didn't understand anything, and, and so they've conflated a whole bunch of issues, which is what the last few years have been all about. It's about just saying you know Harvey Weinstein and the lack of minorities in movies are related. <laughs> like, if there was more, if only there were more black people on screen, then Gwyneth Paltrow wouldn't have had to have sex allegedly with Harvey Weinstein. And you go, and you go. Well, this is crazy talk. And 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 none of the stuff they've made is any good. And um, I just found the whole thing absolutely uh, uh, astounding. And and um, this this reporter just seems so horrified as well that people that when the execs are saying, you know, we tried it, didn't work, didn't make money. Like this, this he's so surprised that Hollywood wants to make money. <laughs> yeah like you mean the producer and investors they want to have a return on what they've put in yeah wow yeah. that's amazing they think it's a charity they think it's just like you know that that's the point you know of mm -hmm. it but even even hamlet had to sell tickets like even macbeth that's why we've got ghosts and blood and all this stuff it's not you know like the, those plays put bums on seats, as we say in, right, in, in, right. in Australia. You know, mm. <laughs> right? You have to get people in. And Chuck understood this uh, yes. for sure. Uh, you know, you got to create a, a, a huge sort of uh, mystery around it, or something like that, right? Like, this, which is, I think mm. he did that with Psycho. If I, if and, I remember, and you've my... got to get Grace Kelly. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> So, like so, you've got to you, get the most beautiful woman in the world and go right. and and put her in jeopardy and go oh and it's like why would people want to watch that and you, that's exactly right. what we want to watch. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. There's a kind of exploitation sort of element to to all of this, I think, mm. uh, uh, to to movies. Depending, I guess, depending. Uh, okay, how about this? I wouldn't call Ingmar Bergman an exploitation. A film creator but uh, uh there are a lot of movies which you wouldn't don't necessarily belong in the exploitation b movie category but uh, like let's say psycho or uh but they certainly hitchcock certainly used the public uh opinion or or or, or the mystery around it uh to to sell his film i mean he has to make money he had to make money mm, yeah well maybe to put a bow on it like i think if uh, if people in the US or, you know, cinephiles were to look a little bit further outside of their own boundaries and look overseas to cinema, they would see that that cinema is is a, 
uh, art form for the entire world. Every country makes movies. So if you want to see some representation, I mean, watch watch some some films from Asia, watch some films from Africa. I mean, that's I mean, the, 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 there's all your diversity right there, you know. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's that's an excellent point. That's exactly, and that's an authentic diversity, right? Yes. You're going to watch something, you know, see a German film, Swedish, whatever it is, right? And uh, you're going to see, you're going to look at. The, not only the experience of that particular nation, right, but but also uh, the experience as seen by that director. So the diversity is out there. I, I object to this false, um, um, forced diversity as if I have to sit in a circle with somebody and hold hands. I mean, give me a break. Leave me alone. You know, it turns it kind of turns you into a, you know, almost a cynic. Like, you know, you, it's like somebody saying smile, you know, no, it, it doesn't work that way, you know? So. But doesn't it frustrate Well, just, just before we move on, doesn't it frustrate you? Because the people who are moaning on about this, they're ahistical and um, quite ignorant, really, because if if they had seen Tarkovsky and known that he made his movies under a terrible uh, dictatorial regime in Soviet Russia and masterpieces as well, by the way, uh, or Kurosawa making, um, you know, that they, they, they conflate everything. So you could show them a Kurosawa movie and they would go, like ran or something and they'd go oh yeah that's samurais and that yeah yeah that's good and then you'd say no do you understand that people from his country hated him for making western um literature like there, there is nuance there like like the, the the nationalists in um in japan were not cool with kurosawa making um, shakespeare uh adaptations okay so it's stuff like this that uh, or look at closer to home, John Cassavetes, right? Um, uh, doing like look at shadows. Look how complex and and uh, dangerous and achievable that is. Right. So right. I'm just so fascinated, like how ahistorical and 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 um, uh, unread these people are. You know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. It's like almost like a stupid myopia of stupidity or or for or 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 uh, ignorance. Yeah, it, it really is like that. Yeah, Cassavetes ran into those problems. He's one of my favorite directors, but he ran into when he was doing a woman under the influence, uh um he um he ran into issues when when it comes to some sort of um no, he was not interested in ideology. I think he was a liberal but, uh, but there was zero interest in putting ideology into the movies, right? So I think that the, it was like a woman under influence deals with working class people, but that was not the point of the movie at all. It, it absolutely is not. It's, a, it's just like with most of his film, it's an exploration of womanhood, of, of, of being a wife, of being a mother. It has nothing to do with, with you know, if you're working class or not. But, you know, people want to latch onto that and suddenly... It's about class or it's about feminism. It's about whatever. He, he utterly rejects this, you know, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a level of ignorance. I completely agree with you. And and also unwillingness to learn, actually. You know, it's not like, you know, I've had this with my students where uh, when I was teaching high school and when I was teaching college, for the most part, I've always had good results with students because they just don't know about it. And you tell them, oh, yeah, there's this movie or there's this book. And they're like, really? I didn't know. And then they really go in to it uh and only maybe a few here and there are just totally utterly uninterested they probably are not interested in anything in life you know but um uh, which is very sad but for the most part i think that you know for th those who don't want to see and they don't want to learn you're not going to change their minds unfortunately i mean it's it's kind of sad isn't it but i have a feeling that they're not interested in meaning in life at all you know so not it's not just about art you know or films 
Well, I think maybe we should move on to our, our next topic. We, we really want to talk about Gutsy. Now, we, we need to give an upfront, an upfront apology to our audience because we're going to say the word Gutsy a lot. So sorry about that. Now, you recently wrote a scathing review of the Hillary Clinton, Chelsea Clinton eight-part reality TV show, which is called Gutsy. Uh, which follows the lives of several famous media personalities who exhibit gutsiness. Uh, the show is based on a book called uh, The Book of Gutsy Women, Favourite Stories of Courage and Resilience, which I believe is also written by Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. Is that, yes. is that right? Yeah. Uh, so that's, maybe... Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sure these books are, they have ghostwriters, you know, yes, they have people sure. who are really writing them. Yes, but let's just say it's written by Hillary <laughs> okay. and Chelsea. Well, at least they're, they're, <laughs> their name's on it, at least. Can, yes, can, you, yes. can you maybe give us a brief overview of this terrible sounding show? Oh. Well, first of all, I have to say, I deserve a huge pay, you know, for watching that <laughs> stuff. And I was joking with my editor. I said, you know, she said, you need hazard pay. I said, I do. You realize that I was, I was texting her, you know, as I was, as I was watching these, I said, and I think I watched like six episodes and I thought it was the last one. And there were, I think two or three more. And I said, no, there's three more of this. I have to see, <laughs> help me. But I, you know, I have my integrity as a, as a reviewer, as a writer, I absolutely have to see the whole thing. I'm not going to, you know, review something that has not been looked at in its entirety. So I did, but it was, you know, it was a, uh, it was interesting actually because interesting in a sense that what it revealed was that Hillary was kind of tossed aside, you know, and Chelsea sort of in the in the foreground, like showing the poor this poor boomer mom, you know, who can't even use her phone and send an email. You know, what is email? You know, kind of. She I mean, knows she what the knows emails that, are. She, yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. Oh, yes, she does. Yeah, exactly. She sure does. Um, but uh, yeah, it it, it it you know she was kind of presented almost like this poor woman who's not with it, right? Who's because really she, she needs to move on, move into society, and listen to some rap music, and uh, and it's awkward. It's so awkward. Um, you almost feel sorry for Hillary, almost um, because Chelsea is really almost like denying the years and the decades of political machinations that her mother has has done she was the secretary you know, so it's of like, state you, this woman's like she was like there when osama bin laden was was being yeah you, know, yeah, I mean, you can agree or disagree hate or not hate or whatever it is she's been in politics for a long time and she plays that game so to see chelsea kind of almost go oh poor mom she just you know she just needs to i don't know have a cup of tea and and you know do something over there in the corner it felt like that to me i i thought wow this this girl this this young woman uh really thinks that that she is better and smarter and cooler it was all about really being cooler right and it, it was interesting to see how this new generation of of leftists if you will is saying to the boomers step away you know this is not your world anymore. We're doing our own progressive mm. uh, philosophy right now. Okay, here we go. We're hitting the road to shine a light on women who inspire us to be bolder and braver. Leadership doesn't look one way. It's a giant rainbow. You're not gonna break me down. You'll get worn out before I do. Women who push us outside our comfort zone. You got this. 
and make us laugh. I'm in deep Georgia, and they might have never met a Muslim. Or they don't know they have. Or they don't know they have. Because we walk among you. <laughs> you have a marriage that has been on public display mm. since the beginning. You said the gutsiest thing you ever did was stay in your marriage. That doesn't mean that's right for everybody to throw someone's life away when people really do make changes. I just believe in second chances. My mother needed rehabilitation, not prison. Your survival is your power. Someone say to me, you're not good enough because you have melanin. How dare you? I have a master's in whites. I just want whites to get a GED in blacks. <laughs> if there was ever Every single person makes some impact on the planet every single day. We can choose what sort of difference we make. I'm gonna Speak truth to power. When I throw rocks, I'm throwing them up. Goodbye, the house where we got married. This is where it all started. And the rest and of history. <laughs> Cheers. By putting down the bad things and lifting up the good things, <laughs> we bring balance to the world. You literally become one with yourself. Isn't uh, Chelsea Clinton a bit of a an elder millennial Karen herself now? Yeah, yeah. She she actually actually she was how old is she? Is she forty two? She'd, she'd be forty, For, definitely. 40, 40, you think so? Okay. Yeah, the forties, yeah. Something like that. But anyway, she's um she actually came off to me as a, a kind of a prude. <laughs> and uh, I, I get into that neo-Victorianism, uh, uh, you know, where there's really no enjoyment. It was all just about scolding you, you know, for for um, uh, not being good. Or, or she she came off as a moralist in the in the thing and and um, in the series. And and Hillary actually came off to as somebody who has some sense of humor, which is unbelievable. But um, still, it was it was very. I hate to use the word cringy, but you know they were they were saying the word gutsy so many times. <laughs> I really forgot what the name of the show was, you know, so I had to be reminded every single time. <laughs> well, it sounds like the, like like they didn't spend much time finding real unknown or or interesting women to highlight, you know. So maybe I'll just give a, a list of 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 uh, guests, you know, for our listeners. So uh, so they spoke to comedian Amy Schumer, comedian Wanda uh, Sykes, uh, rapper Megan The Stallion, uh, Glennon Doyle, whose claim to fame is leaving her husband to marry a former female soccer player, influencer Kim Kardashian, who has gone back to college to study law, although I think she's failed the bar several times. Uh, feminist Gloria Steinem, chimpanzee researcher Jane Goodall. Uh, you've got a drag queen in there as well. I mean, what what a strange mix of, of, of women. You've got, you know, not just one comedian, but two comedians. Then, the, you know, a vapid influencer, a rapper and a drag queen, who is a biological man, by the way, which, you know, how 2022 is that? Um, so what do you think the real <laughs> aim of the show is? Is it to beat up on middle America some more, to stick it to the deplorables? Is that what it's all about? I, I think so. They certainly had a few things to say about Trump. You know, they got right into that immediately and then they said some bad things 
had Reagan, you know, you got to do that. Too. Reagan as well. It was, yeah, yeah. Like something about the justice system or, or, um, about crime. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was like, you know, he did bad things. And, uh, I mean, it, it's just your typical, usual, you know, leftist nonsense, uh, that, that we hear. But what struck me is the fact that actually most people that they interviewed really didn't want to be around Hillary or Chelsea, you know, the body language betrays <laughs> it. You can really tell. And actually you can almost tell that Hillary and Chelsea don't know, or Hillary doesn't really want to be there either. And, um, so why they really did this, I have, I've, I really have no clue, you know, give them something to do. I don't know. But, but um, there was, um, there was a kind of progression. It was very predictable as to, you know, where, where the story's going. So there were a few women actually there. There was one woman, I can't remember her name now, but she's a, she's a mountain climber. She climbed Mount Everest and she, um, she, she had, uh, they sort of, framed it around the fact that she was sexually abused and, you know, kind of found herself in, in all of that in climbing. And actually it was an interesting story, to be honest with you. I found her to be an interesting woman um, as, a, as an explorer, as a mountain climber. And, um, but then at the end of it, basically says how she started some foundation to help people that are sexually abused. And actually, to, to, honestly, I think, and that's what every single one of these women was doing. Like, they, they overcame something, then they started the foundation. Overcame something, started the foundation. It was like, a, you know, maybe they, you know, it, it was actually, yeah, it, it was, it was actually really irritating because I just wanted to hear the story. And, and it made me think, why does everything has to end in some sort of payback, if you will, or pay forward or whatever they call it, you know, just kind of uh, maybe payback is not the right word. What, what do you think? A, a, a cor- a well, it's got to end in a, 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 some sort of um, uh, corporate uh, uh, entity in, has got to get involved. So you need to you need to make sure your your I don't know. Yeah, why has everyone got to um, put put such a a uh, I don't know like like starting a foundation, starting a charity, for, you know, setting up a grant system or whatever. Why can't it just be, you know, we, we are complex creatures. As humans, you understand that, like, at the end of The Karate Kid, if Daniel started a karate school for struggling karate students, I know that they sort of ended up doing that in the new one, whatever, but but the whole point of the first, that's why it sucks. The point is, that, <laughs> the point is, after he does the kick, he, he says, he says, uh, if I don't do this, Mr. Miyagi says, no, you did it. Like you, you're good. You don't have to go out there. And he's like, no, if I don't do this, then I'm nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Then I'm something inside is not going to be okay. And when he kick, we understand that, that, you know, on an emotional level that he is complete now and ready for the real, ready for the world. And I don't need him to set up a foundation. Yeah, yes, yes, that's exactly it. It's this story of this individual singular human being, right, that that is the inspiration enough or that you find fascinating or whatever it is, right, that you find yourself to be uplifted uh, from this from the story. And that's why I found this woman who's a who climbed Mount Everest. I um, I, I thought, wow, that's just so fascinating. That's wonderful. Right. I, I thought it was a great story. But then, you know, they they had to muck it up with this with this i guess wh- why does it always have to be this larger what are you doing for the society 
um, it, it's a it's a very it's a very kind of moralistic thing, like as if individuals can't just be themselves. There's nothing wrong with starting a foundation or a charity, okay? Obviously not, but it's it's said in such a way that if you're not doing it, you're bad, mm. right? If 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 you are if you have had success, then you better give that success back. Mm. In some in some way, do, do you think it sort of sets up this expectation that not only do you have to overcome struggles in your life, that that the end goal is then to pay it forward and to be this media personality who has a foundation? You know, it's not it's not enough anymore just to overcome uh, adversity and be a complete human being. Yes, that's exactly it. Because most of those stories, most of those women there, I actually did a little bit of research. There was that one woman who was shot ten times by her either a boyfriend or a fiance, I forget what he was, but she was pregnant at the time. Uh, she became a, a cop, then she became a detective. She, you know, she survived, obviously. Another interesting story, actually, but then uh, she's now just a speaker. She just goes around telling her story. I can't imagine anything more boring, to be honest with you. You know, I, I think uh, we have to talk about ideas. We have to talk, there's nothing wrong with, you know, sharing your story, but at the same time, we have to figure out Otherwise, you're just a bunch of motivational speakers going around having TED Talks. So, I mean, I'm finding the Democrats increasingly more odious by the day. And this, I got to thinking about it when I was watching this trailer because this is a very sort of corporate elite Democrat Party um, pamphlet, if you will. So they, they seem to be rich, as I say, corporate elites who have this unquestioned reputa uh, reputation of being the most caring people in politics, along with the complete fawning support of the mainstream media, Hollywood publishing and music. So the entire apparatus is behind them with everything they say, uh, Apple in this case. They've not delivered uh, universal health care, which they, you know, it doesn't matter what, what anyone believes, it, that's what they believe. So, so it's like they haven't delivered that. They voted it down. Even their most leftist people voted it down. Uh, they've got soft policies on crime and homelessness that have caused immeasurable suffering. And worst of all, they're proving to be quite sore losers and um, have the Democrats uh, and particularly gutsy women uh, Dems like the Clintons, have they gotten worse over time or have they always been this way and I just didn't know? Hmm, that's a good question. They probably have. Well, they're getting more rancid as they get older, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember. In, but I, I, I used, but I used no. to like the West Wing, right? I used to love the West Wing, mm -hmm. and and and, and around mm -hmm. and around that time, to be demo, in the to be the best and brightest Democratic guy was uh, was um, a dream. It was it was the it was the the dream, you know. Right. And, and I I know that there were people who who didn't like that, but I but they were not as i don't know like to me that just didn't make sense i was like how could you not want you know want to be part of this this group of you know now i kind of watch it and i feel like they're a bit overbearing <laughs> but, but right right but i wonder if if i've changed over time or, or what. i i think that hollywood likes to capture democrats exactly as they're not right i think that that's the you know, these shows like West Wing and one of my favorite movies actually is American President with oh, Michael yes. Douglas and Ed Benning. It's a great movie. It Wonderful. really is. Wonderful. Uh, but, you know, it really is not. Um, usually Democrats don't act that way. <laughs> They're not as honorable or noble. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. A lot of the stuff that was perhaps revealed by Trump, uh, by Trump's presidency, the fact that he even got elected, revealed a lot of uh, um, elitism in the Republican Party as well. So maybe a lot of that stuff is uh, it's just a nice story that people um, 
are supposed to take on and um, and then pick a pick a side, you know, between Republican and Democrat. Maybe it's all part of a almost a, a you know a fantasy or a narrative. Um, so, but in any case, I do think that for the most part, though, uh, the way Democrats are portrayed is usually not the case. And um, you know, for, for the, it, look at to go back to the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement. Movement really damaged mostly Democrats yes. and mostly liberals. Jeffrey like, Chubin. Actually, <laughs> but yes, which shows you actually where the bad behavior is. But but seriously, I mean, I, I don't was the, I I can't think of that's right. Bill O'Reilly, they got him on some sort of sexual harassment thing. He said something or other. But Matt Lauer certainly wasn't a, a Republican. No. <laughs> Definitely not. The list goes on. Of... It's the, the it's it's there was that guy. Did Al Franken? Is he? Yes, Al Franken, uh, Charlie Rose. You Charlie know, Rose. Uh, yeah. watched his show so many times. Now you look at some of the stuff. You go, that guy was doing that while he was doing the show. And, and you know, have you? <laughs> no, go on. <laughs> have you noticed that most of these things that these guys did are really gross <laughs> and just disgusting <laughs> and so weird? Just yeah. perverted, you know. Just sort of like this, this isn't even like some good hedonism or something. It's just sort of weird, no. you know. You're a weirdo. Yes. Why are you doing that? So they, they, uh, it's all last tango stuff, you know. All, yes. all weird stuff. Mm. <laughs> they've skipped yes. out just a, a good old fashioned like you know one on one romance, and they've gone to all the weird like props and all strange stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but that West Wing era was was pre social media though, so I, I feel as though right. you know this 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 shrill democratic Anthony Weiner. Anthony How did we get him? Yes, that's yeah. right. He was another one. Yes. But but you know this, I, I just think social media has 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 made it worse. Uh, you know has mm-hmm. made that 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 gutsy democratic woman more shrill and more insufferable. You know, and it's, it's polarized so. polarized both sides. You know. I think so. Rush Limbaugh. I don't know if you've listened to uh, Rush. Uh, he he really had some quite interesting things to say about people like Hillary, and he had some wonderful phrases that I could could not possibly come up with. But you know, he came up with them a Nazi and and, and uh, stuff like that. But he knew how to describe them in a nutshell. And uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a certain kind of a certain kind of a woman. I I I find them to be kind of devoid of eros, devoid of, of sexuality almost, uh, you know, either they are anti-men and maybe maybe they're lesbians or maybe they're kind of just asexual, you know, in, in, in a way. They find some sort of release just from politics and from power, uh, but I... And drone strikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Because it, that's the weird thing about these these Dems, particularly you know someone like Hillary Clinton, total warhawk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know her husband's um, busy, you know, get, getting, you know, doing what he's doing in the in the verbal <laughs> office. I won't. I won't say. Remember, we all know what went on. And um uh and meanwhile she, you know, she gets a little like you know five feet from the from the place and is like anyway, you know, what would be good drone strikes, <laughs> more, more drone strikes than yes. we've ever done ever in the history of drone strikes. Uh, yeah, it, 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 she said uh, she actually said the gutsiest thing she did was to stay with with Bill. And uh, why didn't she say oh, to kill Osama bin Laden? Like yeah. you know, that would yeah. be way more rock and roll. 
Yeah. <laughs> like you kind of go, you, you, but that, that would make her more like these presidents that we like, like Andrew Shepard in um, The American President, you know, like because at, at the end, what do they do? They always have them, and, and Jed does it in um, the West Wing. There's always a moment where they where they show their balls, and they and they go, uh, they they sort of um, they have a hard edge that that um, uh, dare I say a, a conservative edge that comes out when it needs to appropriately, and then mm-hmm. goes and then risk, then they can become the, the you know the nice uh, scholar again. Right, right. Yeah, I, but there's not a lot of substance there, right? That's that's the whole point. There's, I don't, I don't think so. That's what I got from this. In any case, not that I expect this substance from this, from this, uh, whatever series of is it eight parts? See, I don't even remember how many episodes, but there were so too, many. Too many. Too, too many. Yeah. There were too many. Um, it was just an exercise in awkwardness, I think, of generational, huge generation gap, and and. Um, and just actually taking culture that's really mm, below human dignity, um, like some of this rap music. This what is uh, Megan the Stallion? Uh, uh, yes. Charming, um, charming. Oh, it was, uh, it was you know, single, his, I believe. Uh, yes, yes, and wham. she's and she's uh, she's saying um, Hillary is telling her how she really didn't listen to that particular song. Um, am, I, am I allowed to say it on podcast? What you it is? You can say whatever There's you no, like. Okay, so I think I don't know what the the title of it, but it involves wet pussy. And I read the lyrics uh, of it, and knowing what, <laughs> knowing that <laughs> Hillary's trying to listen to this is actually really hilarious. <laughs> and um, and actually turns out that the lyrics were, isn't it right? And the lyrics were mostly written by men. So really. The whole, Yes, wow. I think so. I think a few other rappers. I did a little, little bit of research, and I thought, "What is the smoking gun?" Yes, you guys are not gutsy at all. You're just trying to uh, 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 make money, and you have been branded by some other studio and say, "Hey, why don't we just do this? We'll do the strong woman who controls sex trope, or I don't know, whatever they they come up with." But it's it's pretty it's pretty boring. I mean, I, I don't like rap. I'm not a fan at all, actually, but this was just, this is, we're supposed to elevate this. I'm supposed to say this is culture. Well, if you don't like WAP, then that not only does that make you a, a misogynist, it also makes you uh, a racist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all in I, one. I, I've done a quick wiki Wikipedia search on WAP and it seems that uh, in addition to Cardi B and Megan the Stallion, you've also got, Four other men who are credited as songwriter. Yes. Wow. Yes. yes. Mm. Which probably means that they wrote it. Yeah. Mostly. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Well, look, I think we let's just quickly move on from WAP while we've got a bit of time because uh, I, as much as I'd like to talk about, um, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton a little more, I think we we I want to get into this piece you've written for American Greatness entitled "The House of Funny Horrors." Since ah. it is Halloween, it is Halloween after all, and you suggest an unlikely Halloween film, *Arsenic and Old Lace*, by uh, directed by Frank Capra and starring Cary Grant. Uh, so, just in case our audience hasn't seen it, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the film? So, the film, I believe, is based on the play. Um, in the writer of the play, a playwright, I cannot now remember the name, but uh, so the the idea here is Cary Grant plays. Um, a bachelor, uh, you know, a guy who is 
um, a, drama, a drama critic, right, or a critic in, in New York, and he's written all these books that are anti-marriage and how marriage is a sham and a fraud and all that stuff. And uh, the, the film opens in, with the, the um, scenes that he's trying to get married under, under you know, in the skies. And he's, he, go, he gets married, he goes to tell his aunts, and uh, he finds that there's a body in a dead body in the um at the in the window seat and that's sort of what starts the whole um the whole horror comedy if you if you will uh of him trying to figure out who killed this man and turns out that it was his aunts and it turns out that what these sweet little old ladies do in their pastime is uh you know, kill off lonely men and, and, you know, saving them from their, from their miserable lives. So, uh, you know, it just kind of, it's, it's, it really is a more of a comedy, although I have to say the inclusion of Peter Laurie, um, and Raymond Massey as, as, as Boris Karloff, I guess, you know, looking like <laughs> Boris Karloff definitely brings another sort of, uh, uh, a gothic, you know, level to it, but it's a fun movie. It really is. And it's, a um, Cary Grant, I can watch him in anything. He could read a phone book. I, I'd watch it, but he's just, uh, he's very over the top here and he didn't like that he was over the top, but, um, uh, I, I still think the movie works. Capra just wanted him to be like really playing it up. We're married. Elaine and I are married. <laughs> Did everybody in Brooklyn know I was going to get married except me? Oh, we knew you'd find out about it in time. <laughs> Come here. I've got the two nicest aunts in the world. Hey, mister. Hey, There's a body in the window seat. Yes, dear. We know. You know? The gentleman died because he drank some wine with poison in it. You put it in the wine? <laughs> I just want to know what we're going to do. Can't turn you over to the police. You know how we've always planned to send Teddy to that sanitarium? Charge! Teddy's got to go to Happydale now. I'm off to Panama. A new lot for the canal, you know. You mean you're going to bury Mr. Hotchkiss in the cellar? Oh, yes, dear. That's what we did with the others. Others? More than one others? Elaine! What is wrong? Look at your hair. Oh, my goodness. What color is it? Quick, is it turned? Get out of here. You can't marry me one minute and throw me out of the house the next. Oh, darling, I'm not throwing you out of the house. I'm not throwing you out of the house. Will you get out of here? It's your brother, Jonathan. I've come back home, Mortimer. Johnny, we can't leave a dead body in the rumble seat. We got a hot stiff on our hands. The guy stays away for 20 years and picks tonight out of all nights to come back. He gods, there's another one! The old ladies is just as good as you are. You got 12? They got 12. I've got 13. No, Johnny, 12. Don't brag. Mortimer! I almost got killed. Killed? And Abby, and Martha. No, no, it, it was Jonathan. How can I believe you? There are 12 men down the cellar, and you admit you poisoned them. Yes, I did. But you don't think I'd stoop to telling a fib? Look, I probably should have told you this before, but you see, well... Insanity runs in my family. Look at your aunts. They're Brewsters, aren't they? Uh, and the sweetest, sanest people I've ever known. Yeah. Well, even they have their peculiarities.
I have to admit, I'm not fully across Cary Grant's uh, filmography, but I, I've never seen him in a role like this, mm-hmm. like the kind of a silly role. He, well, he's a Philadelphia story, I would say, is probably, uh, or no, 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 sorry, Bringing Up Baby uh, is uh, is probably the closest, I would say, to this kind of like over the top. Uh, but here he's really just, you know, with the the facial expressions and with trying to figure out, yeah. you know, how to, uh, uh, why are his aunts doing all of this stuff? <laughs> so, um, but I, I don't know. I think it's uh, it, it's talking about the story, right? The fact that it's a it's a great story. Uh, it, it it grabs you. It makes you laugh. It, it's a little scary too, you know. Um, and I think Capra understood this. And it's not. I think I wrote in my article that, that there are different there are different ways of looking at this. And I and I found some um, some uh, academics or some critics saying that um, it's about American anxiety over their America's uneasy past and stuff like that. And, um, and I don't know, I, I really don't like it when you have this theory that's anti-American that that's placed into a movie, which has nothing to do with anything. And, um, mm. and it just, it's just taking, it's basically saying like the director was subconsciously aware of this. How do you know what he was aware of? You know, we don't know that at all, actually. So unless I see it in the evidence, I can just, you know, theorize all I but want. It's clearly, so. it's, it's, if anything, it's, it's about, uh, well, it's a, it could be about any number of things as well as just being a romp and a caper, but it, but it is to me, I really got this time watching it. I got a sense of the horror of coming to grips with your crazy family. And, and the idea mm, yeah. that you might be as crazy as them. Because everyone in this family, or we won't, we won't spoil the ending, but everyone in this family is is a different kind of crazy. Whereas, uh, and it was back when you could call someone who thinks they're Teddy Roosevelt crazy. Now, you, I don't know, you just <laughs> you give them drugs and move, move them to San Francisco, I guess. Is <laughs> and just live on the street instead. Oh, if only we were dealing with people who thought they were Teddy Roosevelt today. I know, I think charming, that, that charming be, crazy people. I know, charming, crazy people, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, it's true, right? Cary Grant is is, uh, is is wondering, his character is wondering, you know, am I... Am I Am I also going to go crazy? But of course, it turns out he's not related to them at all. It is, but I, I, I didn't like that. I know I that, that seemed like the, mm, yeah. of the time, you know, a way of getting out of it. I think it would be the only thing I would change is to leave him um, related because it's, you know, you should be able to escape it without having to, um, you know what I mean, without having to not just not be related to them. Like it changes. Right, the, right. It changes it changes. slightly. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I, I think it would be funnier that, that that he's sort of bringing in his wife to that craziness, you know. Yes. That, that would be, you know, a better ending, I think. Yes. I, I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, well, my, my favourite character is uh, Cary Grant's brother, Teddy, who is convinced that he's President Roosevelt. Uh, you know, the, the charging up the stairs, <laughs> yes. the bugle, uh, the, the general interactions with, with, with his family members who, who just seem to accept him for who he is. That's, I like, that's all great. Uh, do, do you have a favourite character? Who, who's your favourite? Um, that's, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have, maybe I'd have to go with Cary Grant because I just like him so much. But I don't know. I think they're all <laughs> – I think everybody is somehow contributing something to the film, Right. Um, even the the poor men that that end up dead. Um, Peter Laurie was great. Mm. I mean, they actually played up a little bit that whole the the, the whole um, 
German thing, right? The, the fact that uh, he's a, he's a foreigner and he looks weird, and I, I I found actually that these prejudices, if anything, of, of these of these old ladies, you know, sweet little old ladies, were sort of made fun of. Actually, mm. that the, the well, prejudices. The say, oh, uh, I knew he was foreign, and uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a laugh line. That's you going, oh, they yeah. they that you know. Yes, I don't think that that's like supposed to be like, oh, yes, we should accept that, you know, like uh, when when they said like, oh, he's a he's a Methodist or he's a loser. And I forget uh, which one who they were talking about exactly. But that's, <laughs> yes. a, you know, that's that's why he's like that. Right. So it, it's charming and it's funny and it's harmless, you know, but at the same time, I think that they it. It's not supposed to be, it's, it's not a moral story. You know, it's, it's not this. And to go back to what we were saying, why does everything have to have a moralistic sort of end of some kind of justice that everybody's always trying to get at? And uh, sometimes things are just funny and aesthetically pleasing and, uh, and separated, I think, from, from a lot of, um, a lot of political, political issues. You know. Well, I I found some of the references to like death and and this and the sinister suge- sinister suggestions and references to torture. I found that even a little bit shocking, even though this film is it's from nineteen forty four. Do you have any idea what what audiences made of it when it when it first came? I don't out? know. I do. I haven't uh, researched. It. I think the movie did well, from what I understand. Uh, I did. I I think I mentioned in the in the article he definitely made some money yes and, well you, you you mentioned it had a box office of approximately five million and a budget of one million so i mean that's a success that, so. i think so and and one thing i i don't think i said this in the article but I, one thing i was so impressed with is the fact that um the movie, the movie was made actually i think a year before and then it was shelved and then they released it but um which is not, it's 1944, right? That's when the, when it came out. And um, yeah. most of the money that Cary Grant got from it, he donated to the war effort. Oh, wow. So almost mm. everything. I think he was paid, I've, I think he was like left with maybe $40,000 or something like that. He basically gave away almost all of the money. And, you know, he didn't really talk about it, but he was, I think, that kind of a man. Mm. And uh, I mm. was just so... It was just so touching. Now, nowadays, he'd set up a foundation yeah. <laughs> and he put his for you know he put his his money into that. Open up know. a Twitter page, tell everybody how he's doing, and you know. <laughs> yes. uh, I know yeah, I noticed kids who 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 need to transition. That's right. <laughs> Underline the That's word right. need. They need to transition now. The need, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So exactly. where does this where does this film sit for you in Cap uh, Capra's uh, oeuvre? Um, is it is this better than his Americana pictures? Do you think? I think it's different, isn't it? I should ask, do you like his Americana movies? I do, I do. I really, I, it took me a while to, uh, to warm up to it's, it's a Wonderful Life. I don't know why. Maybe because I, maybe it was too, um, maybe I was mad that, uh, that, that Jimmy Stewart didn't end up, you know, going off into the world and doing something. And here he is trying to save these people that don't want to help themselves. I wrestle, it, I, wrestle you know? I wrestle with this every year. I show it to my family and I, I've got arguments from, from we, we, have, we have arguments about whether he should have left or stayed, you know, in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. We haven't quite solved it, you know. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it is about obviously the, the power of the human spirit and the meaning and, and it's about gratitude. That's what the film is about, I, I would think. But, but at the same time, you know, these people are such complainers. 
and uh, he's trying to carry them all. And uh, it, it, it's, it gets a little bit frustrating. I mean, you know, it's always a tough movie. I don't think the movie did well, if I remember correctly right. reading about it. But uh, the um, it was a tough year for Jimmy Stewart because um, he had terrible post-traumatic stress and he was mm-hmm. suffering from, from the war and he was suffering from the incredible depression. I mean, mm-hmm. just, you know, awful. And uh, the movie kind of saved him in a sense because he went back to work. Um, but the, the movie didn't didn't do well. But it's interesting how it perils in some way his life because his father wanted him to stay and manage the hardware store mm. in their town. Wow. And uh, he left. He left and, you know, became an actor. And we know what the rest of the story is, right? It's, but, it's funny about that PS, PTSD. I'm a huge Jimmy Jimmy fan. I, I, I He's probably my favorite actor. And um, I think that film has the – it's got definitely – two of his of the greatest scenes he's ever done in his entire career and one of them would be uh when um uh he comes home i love this scene he comes home to his family and um he's had that you know he's lost all the money you know he can't Mm -hmm. find the money and 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 he has to deal with his family it's when he snaps at them uh the the the, that this scene is just absolutely incredible you know uh and um and and on the other side of the spectrum i i think um him on the phone, the sexy scene with him on the phone with Don, Donna, Donna Reed, where they're both sharing mm-hmm. the, the receiver. That's that's one of the um, arguably one of the sexiest scenes uh, of the era because yes. they're that close and they've found this way of getting around the senses of having them that close, having to talk to stupid Sam on the on the phone, and it's just a glorious glorious scene. Yes, I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, no, I I think it's a. Uh... It's a, it's a it's a movie about love, isn't it? Mm. In in, in many ways, right? But, you know, and uh, so I, I do struggle with some of the sort of more practical matters of it, whether he should have stayed. But what kind of the two different divergent paths of life, right? What what life could he have had if he left? He can only wonder. But there's still happiness, I think, that obviously happens in the film. Just before we wrap up, uh, uh, Amina, people are shocked when I tell them that Frank Capra was a Republican, <laughs> and uh, and that Hollywood um, Hollywood's increasingly shunned conservatives. Uh, but you know, like you can think of obviously, obviously John Wayne, um, Eastwood, whatever. But you know, isn't the world better with "It's a Wonderful Life" in it? Or, or you know, and, and Ricky and I are big fans because we're saps of Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> <laughs> which, is a sweet, which is a very sweet movie uh which we're, i'm better for having seen that whereas i feel like now um because of that line in the sand um if you're republican you're you're you are you you know you can make arguments that you're not shunned and wiped out but you are really you you're not going to be able to make uh yeah bridges of madison, madison county you're not going to be able to make it's a wonderful life so you're going to have to make some independent film and it's going to ha- you're going to have to have committed backers if you know what i mean right right i think and i think also people have lost the sense of of uh, um of that imagination what we were saying earlier and also of what is what can be touching there's a lot of cynicism and uh um kind of hardness and yet not even cynicism that's that's grounded in anything it's just kind of uh, uh, almost uh i'm not impressed with anything right so i think because there's a lack of that emotion we can't even people can't even respond to those movies anymore um not everybody of course you know but the culture itself is, is refusing in many ways to respond 
emotionally to life. Um, and we're, we're trying so hard to fight the emotion and, and suppress the emotion and suppress love and sex um, uh, through so many different means, whether it's whether people use, you know, substances to do that. And, and now I find it through transgender, transgenderism also, you know, nobody wants to really look at themselves in a mirror and feel the life. And I think these movies, like It's a Wonderful Life, or, um, or so many others, I mean, especially the, the movies from the golden age of Hollywood, right? They had a way of dealing with reality, and yet they were so emotional too, you know? So um, they stay with you. They, they stay with, with, with your being, right? And then you have to see them again. So that's the beauty of them. Well, you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, Republicans are shunned from, from Hollywood. We, we are seeing... You know, a few organizations, one of which the Daily Wire, who are, they're, they're a conservative news outlet, but they are starting to fund films and TV shows. I don't know. Are you, are you aware of this, Amina? No. Have you seen any Daily Wire Oh, Daily Wire. Yes, yes, yes. Films? Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is it? Um, what did I do? Tara what is on the woman? Prairie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The film. No, I haven't seen them. Uh, but I need, I know that they're, they're doing some of them. Yes. I mean, conservatives are not the best at making movies. That's the reality. Unfortunately, uh, they're, they don't have the aesthetic eye that, that uh, a lot of liberals do. Most, most artists are liberals, mm. uh, because I think to be an artist, you have to have a certain different consciousness. Conservatives are more analytical people and they're kind of dealing with principles, but that also we need can sort of, we need, we need those, those Malibu conservatives like John Milius. Like we need someone who, it's sort of got that conservative uh, or rather grandiose conservative. Yeah, he likes to hunt and fish and he likes to shoot things. Right. No, you know, grand, no. Like a weird grandiose conservatism as opposed to I guess yeah, so. a fiscal conservatism. A fiscal conservatism. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I think it's maybe people should just be themselves and be okay with that and not to take on, you know, not to take on I'm with all you. these. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, I think but, it's but I okay. think what's, what's interesting about the Daily Wire, I think, is that that th th they are starting to attract people who would have uh, maybe a decade ago consider themselves on the left, but right. because that sort of that that distinction between left and right, you know, has kind of been smashed or it's been, it's been moved right, so wildly right. that that they no longer can sort of work in that that sort of leftist environment. That that they're seeking out places like even the Daily Rob Wire, Schneider. You know? Not right, even he, right. not even he can make, you know, stuff because he ended up he played all those, uh, famously played all the all minorities. <laughs> and, right, right, and, right. Uh, he, <laughs> he's like, I can't do that anymore. They won't let me. He's like, my mother's Filipino, and I can't even do that. Right, right, right. Exactly. Mm. No, yeah, I know. I, I mean, right now the leftists are not making good movies, absolutely at all. You know, I sort of you deal with liberalism in Hollywood because, or with, or with the in, in movie industry because they make great films and they're great artists. And you know, if if I actually went by politics of many novelists, filmmakers, actors, etc., I would not watch or read anybody. That's the truth. Because most mm. of them are do not. I don't agree with their politics at all. But. Um, um, I really kind of keep my distance from that if I want to, if I want to see something. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, conservatives should make movies. I'm not saying that I'm just, you know, I'm always a little bit trepidatious, you know, with that because um, their, their aesthetic visions sometimes are not as powerful as, uh, as people who have, who are sometimes on the left, if that makes any sense. So, but maybe, maybe what we're talking about to put, to put a, a bow on it is the idea, I mean, I'm with you. I want, I just want movies to be movies. I want, I want stories to be stories. In other words, you should have the courage 
to go into whatever world you want, regardless of politics, and have that story go wherever it goes. And and right. in other and, right. and we used to love that. We used to love um, people who, yeah, probably were, were democratic donors or whatever. But they probably they probably made really, um, uh, you know, really almost fascist films. Like 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 you know, could be anything. Like like uh, like Death Wish or something. Like I'm sure. You know, like the idea is that you just want um, free reign to explore all of all of human experience and to, and yes. to come up with troubling um, answers to life's questions. Right. Exactly. We're all human beings, and I think that's really well. Some of us are. Some people aren't. <laughs> uh, no, no. Seriously, though. Joking aside, it's true. Though we we you know just let let us see human stories. You know here. And uh, and that's what makes great art. I think it can be disturbing. It can be you know, I, I don't mind that. I mean, I I love David Lynch. I I've, I just wrote a, a long essay on Lost Highway actually, um, that's going to appear in Modern Age. So you know, I, I think that it's it's perfectly okay. I am completely open minded to these to these experiences as I'm watching them. Um, what I absolutely hate is ideology. And I hate uh, simplification of, of human beings, you know, and I think we're quite complex, you know, uh, creatures. So I heard, that's the beauty uh, of it. I heard Lars Trier say this. He was talking about the idiots being questioned about, you know, what it means. And, and they were bringing in all these, these issues, like, like you say. And he said, um, it's not a, com- it's a, it's a movie about a group of people with a lot of, there's a lot going on. It's not a commercial you know, <laughs> right. Like I haven't right. made a commercial. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, right. It's a lot. It's a, a lot of actual characters and, and all of their stories. Right. Well, um, I don't think we can uh, we can ask you to stay any longer. I mean, we've covered so much today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I love talking to both of you. It's always a pleasure. It's like talking <laughs> to two friends. You know, it's uh, it's wonderful. It really is. That's and, great. And I have to say, I was telling my husband about it today. Uh, you know, as we were telling him we're going to be doing this tonight, and I said, you know. I said, you know, these two guys, they're such classy guys. You know, they are just uh, (laughs) wonderful conversation. And I said, you know, there are so many people in this business that are um, that are not good people. And uh, and you guys are not that I I really, truly enjoy it. And I and you are incredibly respectful and uh, and have a great sense of humor. And I I love what you're doing and keep doing it really, truly. That's so meaningful. Thank you, Amina. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank you for listening to the New Flesh podcast. If you like our work, please consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or even writing us a review. It really does help the show reach a wider audience. We'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, long live the New Flesh.